This is a Color Pencil Podcast, session number 174. Welcome to Sharpened Artist, a colored pencil podcast where we discuss in detail all things in and around colored pencils and the colored pencil artist. And now your hosts, Lisa Clow and John Middick. Hello, my name is John Middick of SharpenedArtist.com, and I'm joined, as usual, by Lisa Clow of Lockery Fine Art. Lisa, how are you today? I'm great. How are you? I am doing never better today, and what are we talking about today? I'm so excited. We are talking about colored pencil supplies. We've been testing some new things. Well, not new, new to me anyway. Yeah, new to us. Yeah, New to us, <laughs> yes. Some new um, some different supplies stuff. that we've not previously really used much of so yeah i did share that with everyone yeah yeah color pencil is not just this narrow scope that you're only using a few things and a few uh, materials with there's so many different things that you can use and so many different tools and techniques out there and you know i just haven't got a chance to get around to all of them uh all the time and sometimes i've stumbled on something that's kind of new to me and it's like wow i didn't know that was so cool so I'm real excited to talk about this, Lisa. We have a new advertiser for the Keller Pencil Podcast. The name of this company is In Defense of Paper, and they sell notebooks. And I understand you haven't got yours yet, so I wanted to talk to you a little bit about this notebook. All right, so first off, these are gorgeous. Uh, they're very attractive. There's three different styles to choose from. But beyond that, I mean, there's 200 pages of this high-quality vellum-finished paper, and it's not this bright white paper, but there is a sort of a little tint to the paper. You can get them in either ruled or dotted pages. The back of the page is uh, blank, so you can draw on one side and do journaling on the other side, or, you know, you can draw over these ruled or dotted areas it is a very attractive notebook, though, because of the cloth-bound panels on the front and the back. And if you've not seen these yet, head on over to the show notes, and we'll have the link there uh, for you to click on. You get five bucks off if you use our special link. They're using this paper company that is based right here in the United States of America. They're actually using 100% renewable green e-certified wind-powered electricity. So it's an environmentally friendly paper mill, which is so cool, I think. And so if you're concerned about, you know, the water usage and all of that, uh, it's a very responsible company into conservation. That actually sounds pretty cool. I'm looking personally. I want to journal. I've got a few notepads here, but I like something because I want to journal notes. And I like the idea you said on the back and mm -hmm. you can draw on the one page. And that sounds pretty cool. That may fit what I've currently been looking for to have on my desk all the time. So I'm excited to get mine. Yeah, I started getting into journaling just recently. And I have excuses for myself <laughs> usually like, well, I don't have any paper around that has rules on, or ruled lines on it or anything like that, you know. But with this, I just started doing it again and like, okay, I don't have an excuse now. If you're sketching daily and if you don't have that practice of sketching at least, you know, often, then it's great to make meaning and to make sense of some of the things you're doing as you're using a notebook. You know, think about 
the legacy, perhaps, that you're leaving behind, at least if you're taking notes and if you're writing down your thoughts or something, it's something you can pass on to your children, your children's children, things like that. It's kind of cool. If you're interested in taking a look at this and learning more about it, just click the link in the show notes, indefensivepaper.com slash cppodcast. Okay, so for colored pencil work, lately I've been using the Mixed Media Boards by Strathmore, the 500 series, so that's their premium type of paper. And this is such a nice board. 8x10 is the one primarily I've been using. has a vellum finish on it. It's a ready cut uh, for frames and mats. The nice thing about it is, I mean, you can just tell when you're holding that in your hand, you've got something of good quality. Uh, it's very thick. And, it, you know, it's uh, sort of a heavy weight. It's not going anywhere. It's a two-sided surface, archival acid-free, obviously. It's used for both wet and dry media. But I've been using it a lot for wax-based uh, pencils. Not really – it's a white surface, so I haven't really been using polychromos a whole lot on it. But I did something recently with Derwent Drawing and with Luminance, and it turned out really, really nice. Have you used that one, Lisa? No, I've not tried that one yet. I think you'd like it. You know, one of them, talking about the boards, too, I've actually been getting kind of obsessed with these lately. The last two projects I did were on the Canson Me Tans, their boards. The first one was a white board. The second one was their, it's a black, their conservation board, which I think is mm -hmm. intended more for matting, but it's acid-free, so we're good. But that one, I, I used the white one for a project that I recently did where I airbrushed the majority of the piece, and then I went on top of it with colored pencil. The colored pencil stuck so well. To, I don't know. It was just such a nice surface. So then on the project that I'm working on right as we're recording this, I'm drawing this pelican and I'm using that black conservation board. Oh, my gosh. It is amazing how the pencils are sticking to it. I'm primarily using my wax-based pencils, so the luminance. I'm going to be using my my polychromos and my Derwent Lightfast for some of the other details, but like the ma majority of it, the base, I'm using that luminance. I'm so surprised at how well these oranges and how bright these oranges are on a dark paper like that. I don't know what it is about the surface. Yeah. It is sticking. It's almost... That's cool. I wouldn't say it's a full vellum. I guess it's kind of a vellum finish, but it, it's smooth like that, but not so smooth. Like the mm -hmm. Bristol vellum I've used before, I never really liked that much because the color didn't stick as well. This, I don't know. There's something about this surface the pencils are just sticking so well to, but I'm also not needing to layer as much. I'm the one that I'm working on right now with the Pelican. I haven't at this point even used OMS on it, but you would never know that by looking at it, the way the colors are blending on the surface of the board. I'm so excited That's about so cool. it. It's really nice. Now the board I'm working on, the conservation board, it's not super, super black. I'd say it's like a dark, dark, dark char charcoal, but it's still, it's a really nice surface to work on. So I actually just ordered a whole bunch of other colors. I got mine from Dick Blick. I ordered a whole bunch of other colors to try out because so far the white and the black I am in love with. I'm almost going to say I like it more than the old Fabriano Artistico, which is saying a lot because... That was my favorite forever. But yeah, the the this has been really exciting for me to find another surface that I liked so much. That's really cool. I'm looking at the uh, listing there on Dick Blick, and it says it's a three-ply artboard and laminated um, with several layers of pH-neutral glue, acid-free, antifungal. Very interesting. I'm trying to figure out what you know, how many plies um, this particular board is, this Strathmore mixed media board, but I don't I don't see anything that indicates that. Uh, it is 100% cotton, and I don't see anything indicating uh, on here, Lisa, about 
the cancer emittents uh, boards what what the um, if it's 100% cotton or not. I'm guessing that it probably is. I'm not sure though. Interesting. I'm I'm going to add that to my card. Yeah, the one thing I, I did a little research though. I do want to bring this up about the colored boards because I I bought a bunch in or I'm purchasing right now a bunch in the different colors. Watch, because uh, I was looking up reviews on it. It says, Canson says that it's light fast, but uh, some of the reviewers, they put theirs in direct sunlight and were complaining, not reviewers on Dick Blick, but I was just looking up on a general Google search. A bunch of people were complaining that we put it in direct sunlight for two months and it faded and that's terrible. It can't fade into that. Just be aware, anytime you put any art supplies in a window for two months, there's going to be at least some fading. I would yeah. be more shocked if there yeah. wasn't. So I, I don't know that I would say that's a good indication as to how light fast it is. Um, because, I mean, I, we we don't know. But anytime with any of your art supplies, whether you're using light fast colored pencils, acrylic paints, no matter what you're using, even when it says that it's light fast and even the top light fast – don't put it in direct sunlight, not right. the finished work. It's one thing when you're testing to see how, you know, is this going to fade at all? There's tests that we can do for that. But just with finished artwork, always be aware of that. You you don't want finished artwork and let your buyers know that too. Don't put this in direct sunlight. And putting things behind UV glass is always going to be a good idea, especially, I mean, colored pencil, it's thinner. So that's an easy thing to do. Harder to do for oils and acrylics, but for our colored pencil work, watercolor, ink tents, any of these pencils that we're using, put it behind UV glass just to be safe. There's also UV sprays you can use. And obviously we want to use the most light fast materials we can find. But on top of that, we can still take an extra step to make sure because for me, with these papers, if I'm buying a black paper or a blue paper or any of these toned papers, I'm going to let the colors show through my pencil. So I need to be aware of that when I mat it or frame it. The UV glass, I just think is a good idea, just in case these papers, I mean, even though the companies are claiming they're light fast, use some precautions to make sure that they're not, you know, don't put them in direct sunlight. It's a big one. Yeah, well, and even the companies themselves, I mean, they talk about the fact that what they're noting is that you're protecting uh, the pieces, you're protecting any of the supplies or the materials, and you're using museum conditions. That's the expectation of these companies whenever they're talking about whether or not something is archival or light fast. They're expecting that you're not sitting, you know, sitting this out in a light room or something and you're not, you know, putting it in direct sunlight where, you know, there's skylights right there uh, four feet away from where this is hanging on the wall or something like that. I mean, you've got to use a little bit of common sense with this, but you've also, you have to think about the fact that you want to protect your piece from direct sunlight or any UV light. And so, yeah, uh, just to make a fine point on that, you that's up to us. And that's up to us to also educate our buyers as well. Yeah, and I think we often get so worked up on the light fast ratings of our colored pencils. We don't always think about that when it comes to paper or colored paper. And you that will fade too. So just, you know, be aware of that and and take precautions. I've used white pencils a lot. <laughs> it's nothing new, right? But the the way I've been thinking about white pencils, I guess, has been different. And sort of my use of white pencils um, has been slightly different. You know, I'm not worrying so much about thinking about color saturation and light reflection as much and in particular on skin when I'm drawing um, I'm thinking about a nose I drew just recently and 
I just drew the form of the nose and I thought about, you know, where this anatomical differences were in the the concaved areas and the recessed areas and where the values were and all of that. And I thought about the dark values more than anything else. And then when I was done, I just started glazing with the white pencil. And I think I was in that case, I was using aluminance, I believe white pencil. I tell you what I caught nowadays, what I've been doing. And when I'm recording videos uh, for some of my uh, courses in the Academy, I've been calling it the white magic pencil because it really is magic, because what happens is you can all of a sudden just lean some of the saturation that you've built up in the pencil layers over in a direction that is just slightly lighter. It really does look like you're reflecting sunlight, uh, a direct highlight or something that is uh, bouncing back into a shadowed area. And it really is a magical little thing that we can do as colored pencil artists is use a white pencil or a lighter colored pencil, and you can lean something in a different direction. Now, the thing that really illustrates that I think really well in our minds, if you do this thought experiment with me, is that you do not have the opposite. You can't go in the opposite direction and lean something over into a shadowed area more by just glazing on a color. Um, and someone will say, well, no, you can do it with black or gray. Well, it just it doesn't have the same effect. It really, really doesn't. Just try it out and see if I'm not right about that. There's something magical about just using that white pencil in that way. Recently, I just sort of embraced that all over again, and I'm in love with white pencils again. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know that probably sounds really nerdy, but it's really pretty awesome. Next on our list, one of my favorite things right now are pan pastels. They are so wonderful for that kind of like an underpainting or for your backgrounds with colored pencil and they speed things along so, so much. I recently did a an owl and I did the entire background and the base basically of the owl and then I went on top of it with my regular colored pencils. I used my polychromos. I worked on sanded paper. I, I don't know why I waited so many years to try this because so many people had been suggesting to use pan pastels. Oh my gosh, it it just made such a difference. Like it really sped things up in that soft, soft out of focus background, which I personally love. It was so easy and so fast to accomplish. I mean, it really didn't take me that long. For me, I like to get things done quickly, but I also don't want to lower what that end result looks like. Like I don't want to, I don't want to speed along just and let the artwork suffer. But if I can speed along and still get the same quality of artwork, or in this case, I thought it was a little bit better for that out of focus look. I'm so in love with these for when I wouldn't use them in comp like by themselves. I feel like for the final details and such, you're going to want to use a pencil and that's it. Just the colored pencils were perfect with this. Yeah. I just have to say a word about pan pastels for those couple of reasons that you mentioned there. And I just want to delineate those two or highlight those two right there is it's easy. They're so, so yes. fast and easy to, to work with. And then secondly, you can go on top of them with colored pencil. And again, to your point, yeah, you cannot get some fine little tiny details with them, but you can tone a surface, especially a background for a nice, big, large background. You can get that tone quickly done, and then you can bring that white magic pencil in there. And the amazing thing about using pan pastels on a sanded surface is you can use and I don't, I don't care. I've tested this and I would, I would ask anyone to show me otherwise, but you can use 
polychromos white. You can use luminance white. You can use um, the Derwent Drawing white, uh, Pro Color white, any white you want. It looks the same. It shows up so well right on top of Pan Pastel. And on that sanded surface, it just works so well. And that that is such an advantage that we have as colored pencil artists where before we always had to use, you know, this uh, reserving areas and things like that. But you can just fix mistakes, correct things or be sloppy about your work and then go back over it later on and get those details in. It's so great. All right. So what about uh, Tombow Mono Array? Uh, All right. So the next thing on our list Tombow Mono Zero. I had to add that because that's something that I've been embracing again as well. Uh, I've been using for a long time. I've been using the 2.3 millimeter uh, round Tombow Mono Zero eraser, but and I've had this rectangle uh, Mono Zero eraser, and I haven't used it a whole lot, a little bit here and there. But lately, I've been using it more and more, and it is. Uh, 2.5 by 5 millimeter, and I got to tell you, it's really, really nice. You can use your Zacto knife and just cut off a diagonal um, tip on that, and then you've got something that you can sort of, you know, use like a, an airplane taking taking off and just kind of sweep it in certain areas uh, to get texture, uh, to um, just lean things back in a different direction if you've added too much colored pencil and, and certain little tiny spots, uh, just angle that just a little bit. And you've got such a fine, fine little tiny line, maybe whiskers or some uh, hair uh, that you're doing in a certain area, or you just want to catch a little uh, highlight in a certain spot. It's so nice to do that with this particular tool. I love it. Yeah. And with the erasers, like I, I don't, go into using erasers thinking I'm going to get my paper back to straight white. I'm using it when I use them to lift some of the color up and it just so that I can get more pencil to stick on top. Because sometimes when you get so much pencil sticking there and realize that didn't go right, I need to make a change, but the pencil's not sticking. If you erase some of that, it'll allow, it'll bring that surface of the paper back a little bit more, remove some of the waxiness, especially if you're using wax-based pencils. Um, Another eraser that I really like is the Faber-Castell ink eraser. That one is great for colored pencil. You have to be careful. You don't want to, you know, scrub it back and forth really, really heavily because you could damage your paper, especially if you're using a soft paper. But being that it's that ink eraser, it's a rougher surface. And that works really well if you just lightly go over an area to lift things up too. I really like that one. It's not as precise as the Tombow Mono Eraser. It's in a pencil form, but it's it, you're definitely going to get a more precise detailing with the Tombow. But if you have a, a little bit of a larger area, uh, the Faber-Castell Ink Eraser is a good one too. Another paper that I've really been liking, and especially if I'm going to use any sort of water pencil, so ink tents or the watercolor pencil, the so water soluble graphite, are the it's the Arches Hot Press watercolor blocks. I am so in love with this paper. Now it works great for for colored pencil too, but at least for the blocks, if I'm going to use straight colored pencil, I'm not going to use the blocks for that. It's a cotton paper. It is on the pricier side. So um, I that's why I'm kind of wondering, I don't know that I need the blocks for that. I have regular arches paper in the individual sheets that I'll probably use for straight colored pencil. But for any of the water medium, oh my gosh, it is 
one of my favorites to work on right now. It doesn't, if it starts to warp at all because you're sealed around the edges, it's going to dry back into shape. So you're not mm-hmm. having to tape it down like I typically would to an, another board or deal with the lifting tape and all of that. It is just such a nice surface. I have loved the results I got with that paper. The last thing, and this one is one that I've been using a lot, again, with the watercolor block, is the rubber cement eraser. If you use masking fluid to mask out an area, that rubber cement eraser is a must. All you have to do is just barely dub an area where you've got the masking fluid and it pulls it up. So you're not sitting there fighting, trying to pull the masking fluid away from the paper. You just barely dab it here and there and it just kind of lifts those areas up. I've also found if I used a regular paintbrush, like a a tack lumber silk paintbrush to paint on my masking fluid, when it dries, I can rub that paintbrush on the rubber cement eraser and it'll pull that, that off the brush to clean it. So it goes back to pretty much what it was before. So I can keep reusing that same brush for masking fluid. So I I know there are a lot of tricks for keeping your masking fluid from sticking to the brush, but that one right now is my favorite. So that is another newer supply. It's not a new supply. It's been around forever, but it's new to me. I just recently started using it and it is a lifesaver. All right. So maybe you thought of a technique or a tool that you would like to recommend and you can always reach out to us by emailing us podcast at sharpenedartist.com. You can submit a question over on the Q&A page, sharpenedartist.com slash Q&A. And if you like the show, tell someone else about the show. Subscribe to the, to the show so you never miss an episode. And who knows, I might have a bonus episode coming out here and there. And if you're not subscribed, you're not going to hear it because if you go to the website to listen to the show, not those don't make it there. Um, This is a weekly show, and we'll talk to you again next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. All the show notes can be found at www.sharpenedartist.com.